Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshaw.net. Some thoughts on the reopening of primary schools. In the absence of any consultation with its ordinary members, who will be the very ones going into primary school classrooms this Thursday, I'm recording this for the record on Monday the 3rd of January 2022, the people who will be discussing the return to schools tomorrow on the 4th of January with a day and a half to go are not going to be the people actually going into the buildings. They don't see the reality of the everyday They don't see that there's still a substitute crisis. They don't see that teachers can't plan properly because their classrooms are half empty as children have to isolate or stay at home due to COVID-19. They don't see that the vast majority of children with additional needs have been receiving no tuition because their support teacher has had to cover class. They don't see the principal has simply become a full-time contact tracer and hasn't had any time to focus on anything educational. They don't see that their own delusion has caused the reopening of schools is this January in a few days' time to be under question. And yet, these people, and I include the civil servants, the unions, the representative bodies and the minister herself, they will be the ones making the decisions about schools and they'll be making those decisions from the comfort of their own homes. The reality, whether we like it or not, is that over the pandemic, no matter how bad things got, there were only two things that the parents and the media really cared about and neither of them had anything to do with education. The first was whether children should wear masks in schools. However, a long, long, long way ahead of that was that school buildings would remain open no matter what. In the vain hope that somebody who's making the decisions might listen, I want to focus on one key issue in the sea of issues, which, you know, effectively, if it isn't tackled, will inevitably mean that many classes will close down in the next few weeks. So the question I'm asking our representative bodies and the Minister for Education to answer is, are we going to have enough teachers? Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. Um, I am, as I said in the introduction there, I am recording this on Monday morning, uh, the bank holiday Monday before we go back to school on Thursday. And uh, as I am recording this, I have absolutely no idea what is going on or what is happening because the Department of Education are not meeting with their partners, their their friends, uh, until tomorrow afternoon, the Tuesday afternoon, where they're going to discuss the reopening of schools. And I assume uh, at some point, and I presume I'll hear this on the six o'clock news rather than from the Department of Education, what the story will be for returning to school and what extra measures, if any, are going to be put in place. My guess is that there will be nothing new put in place. Maybe the best case scenario is the unions will argue that contact tracing might be put back in place. But what that will look like, I don't know, given uh, that uh, there is no uh, appetite from public health to recognise that there's such a thing as close contacts in primary schools. I mean, really, 
um, there's a huge amount of issues around going uh, about returning to schools um, everybody's worried uh, you know you can see uh, parents uh, are worried about sending their children into schools with with the omicron variant uh, raging in the community with you know at the moment where as i'm speaking there's 20,000 cases a day um being reported and that's an underestimate because it's almost impossible to get a pcr test in ireland so it's likely that we have maybe double um maybe more uh cases per day and um as we know um as we were coming up to christmas um, attendance uh, in school was extremely low um, from my own observations or my own um, research it seemed to be around 60 to 70 percent of uh, attendance uh, which would be extremely low uh, for those of you not in the know around 95 percent is around average for um, November December uh, or any time during the year maybe a little lower in December around 92 93 percent so going down to that level of attendance is extremely worrying the other problem we had of course was teachers um, and and staff members being available to come to work because of COVID-19 before the uh, before the winter break because many of them were unable to uh, come um, into school if they had if they were a close contact or if they had COVID-19 themselves and I, I've been on the radio a number of times um, talking about uh, schools um, where um, up to a quarter of their staff were out um, and there were cases before Christmas particularly in small schools where classrooms had to be shut down. Now with the virus um, at that time before Christmas, we were having about five to six thousand cases per day, um, and um, and this was the impact of that. Given that we, you know, most of us would have had uh, the vaccinations, and everything else, um, but now we're having twenty, thirty thousand cases a day, which would say to me that our problem is going to become fourfold. So. I mean, I'm going to just talk for a little while about this and uh, maybe come to some conclusions um, and see what you think. I mean, I'm going to have to go with the assumption, the, the assumption really, given that it's, you know, three days to go and there isn't a lot of time to do anything, that the current mitigation measures remain will remain the same and we're going to return to school buildings on the 6th of January. I, I, that's my best guess. There may be an argument made that we wait till Monday. There's a lot of countries around at the moment that are uh, postponing the reopening of schools. But given that it might be Thursday or maybe Monday, um, I, I would suggest that's my assumption because it doesn't actually make any difference really, in my opinion, whether we uh, stay, if we whether we have an extra th two days uh, because, you know, what measures are we going to put in in less than a week in schools with no resourcing? Before Christmas, as I said, cases in schools were still rampant. They're not as rampant as they are now. And newspapers were reporting attendances, as I said. Levels were as low as 60% for a variety of reasons. And it's hard to tell what parents are going to decide to do this term. Because they may, um, ha parents may have kept children out of school uh, because they wanted to have a meaningful Christmas, in inverted commas. Uh, but some parents, you know, were worried about their children getting uh, the virus because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we still don't know what this virus, the long-term impact of this virus might be. You know, best case scenario, you know, as, as a lot of people say, ah, it's just like a flu, it's just like a cold, it'll be grand. But there is, um, there is evidence out there to suggest that this may not be the case, that this, there may be long-term implications um, of this virus. Um, I, I, my, I believe, and again, I'm, I, I'm no expert in this, but I believe when um, uh, the polio virus was around, uh, you know, similar conversations were happening, saying, ah, it's just a small virus to be grand. And, you know, there's a, there, 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 obviously we know now that's not the, that wasn't the case. Um, so, 
so I mean look we we have to be I suppose cautious um, and sensible when we're talking about these things so effectively I'm, I can't second guess what parents are going to do uh, in the next few days but so I'm just going to focus in this episode around staff because that's the only thing we can really control in a way so I want to give you some background around particularly for those of you outside of the education system, um, about staffing and how staffing works in primary schools. Um, because some people might think, well, sure, if a teacher's out, you just get a substitute. Don't you have substitute panels? So if you just listen to the radio or you listen to the, the minister, you know, it would be unsurprising if you to think, you know, things like that, that we just have a constant supply of teachers. And what are we worrying about? Sure, there's tons of teachers around. So let's give um, some background. And let's, uh, the first thing I'll say is there's definitely been a crisis in teacher numbers since at least 2016. It probably, you could say, the, the, um, the shortage of teachers started around 2013, but really be- didn't become a crisis uh, for, you know, if, to use the accurate word there, until about 2016, when um, there were papers written um, in journals around this teacher shortage and what were we going to do about the shortage of teachers. 2016 way 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 before covid was even in our in our vocabulary and fast forward uh, four or five years covid-19 has certainly exacerbated things because from 2016 and 2017 all the way up to the pandemic because schools papered over this crack these cracks of the, the low numbers what we did as schools is we split classes so if my junior infant teacher was out what i did is you take you take all the junior infants and you split them amongst the other classes and and that's what all schools would have done and um, and you know the children would have been i suppose for want of a better word supervised for the day they weren't being taught they were being supervised and this seemed to be good enough for Ireland, I, I, there has, I had never heard, I've never heard anything in the media which complained about this practice, where children were just split uh, amongst other classes and given worksheets for the day. They were effectively being babysat. And in some ways it surprises me that no one ever really complained about it, but it does say something. And this will be a theme maybe of this episode um, of what do parents actually expect from schools um, and what can they accept in the short term and what will they accept in the long term so we need to these are these are just put these questions into your head as I um, I suppose talk and um, throughout I talk this out I suppose I'm talking this out in my own head because I don't really know uh, the, the, the the where I'm going to go with this really to be honest but well, I do have an idea of where I'm going to go with it uh, but um, I, I I suppose I want to I suppose involve you in the in the in the conversation about the questions I'm asking myself um, so ultimately what schools did they papered over the cracks by splitting classes and when we couldn't split classes uh, we um, we basically um, had to think of an alternative and the alternative generally in 73 percent of cases was principals used um, the support teachers the set team to cover classes and um, the 73 percent in case you're thinking i'm pulling figures out of my out of the thin air uh, that comes from the national principals forum survey of uh, nearly a thousand principals and 73 percent of them said they regularly used special education teachers uh, to cover when a substitute couldn't be found and classes couldn't be split and uh, as well as that, when that survey has been done, just so you know, less than 1% said they never used a special education teacher. This is all pre-pandemic. This is 2019. So even when there wasn't a crisis, a pandemic, 73, so seven out, more, nearly three quarters of principals had to use their special education teacher. And again, 
How many people complained about that? This is a question we need to ask about that. Now, Richard Bruton, who is the Minister for Education, uh, recognised, uh, finally recognised there was a teacher shortage crisis in 2018, and it, it did lead to some sort of slightly embarrassing uh, situations, um, not from him particularly, um, but uh, from certain representative bodies asking people to pull on their green jersey and come home from the from the uh, United Arab Emirates and Qatar and places like that, um, because you know we had a shortage of teachers. You know, rather than rather than actually saying, well, look, what asking the question of why are these teachers leaving Ireland to teach? Um, you know, there is a reason why they're not staying in the country, and um, you know, we could talk about that for a while. But uh, let's just keep focused. Um, uh, and basically, what happened then was nothing really for a while until Minister Joe McHugh came along. Um, he was the um, the minister after Richard Bruton, and he went along. He went off to Dubai, I think it was, uh, where he had taught for a few years. Even he didn't stay in the country, which is interesting. Uh, but he went off to convince people, "Come on, come on home, lads," um, which obviously was just a bit of a joke. And he had a nice holiday out of it. But what he did do was he opened up a pilot of six substitute panels. There were at that time there were no substitute panels in Ireland. This may come across as very strange to people who work in uh, in other in other um, sort of areas that if the, that there's um, that basically uh, if your teacher was out there was no structure to have uh, substitutes um, available and and uh, and ready to go into classrooms. Schools would just have to find people wherever they could find them, and um, and that was all done very very informally. This pilot of six substitute panels uh, was just eighteen teachers to cover the entire country, and it clearly, obviously, made no difference. When COVID nineteen came along, it was expanded to uh, I think there's quite a, there's a couple of hundred panels now, but it still isn't enough to cover the needs of schools. Now, as the crisis is becoming worse and worse, every school in the country simply has had no choice. Um, still, and this remains the same, to have classes covered by uh, special education teachers. Now, there hasn't been any um, uh, surveys about this yet, and I, I think it would be interesting for uh, you know a group like the INTO or the IPPN or even the National Principal Forum to ask similar questions around uh, special education provision, because I would imagine it's close to 100% of schools would have used the special education teachers to cover classes. Um, and, you know, because there was no other choice otherwise, uh, because there was you couldn't split classes, and you, you, there weren't enough substitute teachers. So to tackle that, you'll never believe what the Department of Education did. Yeah, no, you, 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 you know, unless you know, you'd never guess. Because what they did was they announced that special education teachers would no longer be allowed to be used to cover classes. Um, it was an astonishing turn. Um, and, and I have absolutely no idea why they did that, because it clearly had to be ignored, because there was no way, there's no way uh, you know, with any sort of sense that a school would actually say, I'm sorry, uh, children, you can't come to school today and we're not allowed to use this perfectly good teacher um, to um, to teach the class because they have to teach one child here for 20 minutes and another child over there for 20 minutes. You know, it is, uh, but your whole class have to go home. So, I mean, we, you know, it was a bizarre thing. And in fairness uh, to most schools, they quietly ignored this, but it's never been corrected. And again, representative bodies haven't actually you know done very much about it either to get it uh, back on as one of the measures that one would have to do um so i mean anyway that that aside the other thing they did which was exceptionally um uh, interesting was um they had an emergency measure um last year when you couldn't get a substitute teacher 
um, and you had to use a special education teacher because when this was allowed um, and you put a special education teacher into a classroom, you could bank the hours you weren't able to get and use them at a, at a later stage. So a child who missed out on the hours because the special education teacher was in a classroom could get them back. So again, what they did was they withdrew that. The government withdrew that measure. Um, so effectively, what they did was they simply cut the hours um, uh, for children with additional needs. There were, there, there were what was known as resource teaching or remedial teaching for those who are really old, uh, but basically special education teaching. So, I mean, shocking stuff that they, they, they not only did they remove the, they, they made a silly, you know, just this pointless uh, rule, but the reason for the pointless rule wasn't uh, for the benefit of children. It was so they could cut and withdraw this idea of banked hours so the children with additional needs wouldn't uh, be able to reclaim the support that they'd lost. And then on top of that, not only that, and this all happened within the same week or so, Minister Foley then denied that there was a substitute crisis. She's, it was amazing. Um, she denied it and denied it and denied it until, I'd say, until the end of October, um, just, just gone. And there was an amazing interview with her on News Talk with Kieran Cuddihy, where she was, where Kieran Cuddihy was pushing her and pushing her and pushing her and saying, look, on the ground, I'm being told by principals all the time that they they're have to use their special education teacher and they don't have substitutes. And then all of a sudden, well, no one's ringing the principal hotline. And everybody, um, every principal in the country went, sorry, what principal hotline for substitutes? And uh, anyway, it's worth listening back to if you can. If you go to News Talk and just Google Norma Foley's substitute crisis, um, it, it, it's, it's well worth it. It's, it's, it's cringeworthy uh, in a way, but it's, it, it just goes to show how poor um, the whole thing has been handled. Anyway, eventually the Department of Education allowed teachers on secondment to be available to schools and they also said that third and fourth year students could also be made available and also final year um, postgrad students. Now that was, at the time, was very, very welcome and I, I remember at the time me saying this is you know, actually, this this may actually solve um, the shortage of, uh, and a temporary measure, uh, the, the, the measure, because secunded teachers would add a, a, exactly 467 extra teachers to substitute panels. But the thing was, rather than adding these secunded teachers to, uh, to substitute panels, they were um, they were just told to be made to if they wanted to almost if they wanted to make themselves available if they were able to make themselves available that um, that they that they could do so um, and use a sub uh, like use one of these um, subseeker things it's, it's like a website where you can make yourself available so it's voluntary but it turns out that only of those four hundred and sixty seven teachers only a hundred and seventy of those 467 were actually released by the agencies they were seconded to. 170 out of the 467 were actually released. The rest were not allowed. Now, my understanding, and this is from people contacting me privately, is the NCSE, which I, uh, I mean, for regular listeners to this show, uh, will know that I find is the most awful agency um, in the country. They're the National Council for Special Education. They didn't release any of their seconded teachers even when these teachers said to their to their uh, managers that they were available and happy to go into schools on, on day and and even even on part-time basis they were not allowed to be released and i mean they're not just the only ones uh, there were other agencies that didn't release teachers obviously but um of those 170 that were released only 100 made themselves available for subbing according to data that i was given in december so in reality less than a quarter 
of the Tsukunda teachers were available to do substitute teaching, um, which is astonishing. Um, third and fourth year students, so this was another um, little problem that we had as well, was the problem with for third and fourth year students is they aren't qualified, so therefore they don't have teaching council numbers. And when you don't have a teaching council number um, and um, and you want to teach in a school, well, you have to have a degree. Now, these people didn't have a degree, but the Department of Education said, look, we'll allow them to teach. But because they don't have a teaching council number, therefore, they have to get Garda vetted for each individual school they wanted to do substitute work in. And that process takes weeks. And the thing is, if you don't know, if you, if you don't know what schools need you, um, you can only make yourself available to maybe one or two or three schools because you've got to get guard vetted for all of those schools um, and fill in forms to do that. So, I mean, let's say you live in, let's say you live in Carlow where I live and there's 48 schools, you know, within the county. You would have to get 48 guard vetting forms uh, filled in in those schools and get them sent off to their patron bodies and get them processed and everything else uh, in, the, in the vain hope that you will be able to get some, you know, uh, substitute work. It just seems you know, a ridiculous amount of bureaucracy. So, I mean, it's no surprise really that in summary, the numbers on the ground were far, far fewer than the numbers that the Department of Education released. Now that shouldn't come across as a surprise to anybody. And the substitute crisis raged on all the way to the Christmas holidays. And schools continued to have to use their special education teachers to cover classes because there just weren't enough substitute teachers around when teachers and other school staff were unable to come to school due to COVID-19. Now, many uh, at this time as well, many small schools reported that they had to send classes home as there was no teacher available to them either. So, you know, this is, I said this is all before Christmas. Before Omicron really got a chance to bed itself into primary schools, we were looking at Delta at that time, and we were looking at between 5,000 cases per day um, in, in Ireland at the time. Um, now, I, I'm for me, um, I suppose, I'm interested in what's going to happen now, okay? We're in, we're in a situation, okay, where, you know, we were in a situation before Christmas where if we had 5,000 cases, some of those were going to be teachers, naturally. Some of them were going to be lots of different jobs, but some of them are obviously going to be teachers. And if you have COVID-19, it means that you can't come to work because you have to isolate. As well as that, if you're in a household where there's COVID-19, you also have to isolate as well. So there's a variety of reasons why school staff aren't able to attend a school um, due to COVID-19, whether they have COVID-19 or whether they're a close contact. And Unfortunately, because nothing whatsoever has changed, we're now in the middle of we're now in the in, in Omicron, which uh, an Omicron territory is worse than Delta territory because we have the same rules, but we have at least four times the number of cases, which means we probably have a need for four times the number of substitutes. And when we didn't have enough substitutes in December, we are in serious, serious trouble when it comes down uh, to schools now coming into January. And and this, when I say four times, it's at least four times because we aren't testing everybody that has it. So we could have five or six times the number of cases per day in Ireland. So statistically, we're going to have four or five, six times the number of staff unable to come to work and four or five or six times the number of children unable to come to school. And that's another area which needs to be explored, which I don't think I'll have time to do in this particular podcast. And this means, 
As I said, we're likely to need four times the number of substitutes at the very least in order to keep classrooms open. And however, given that we already didn't have enough cover, it's probably more than that right now. So we didn't have enough anyway before Christmas. We need four times the number we needed. So we're really, really in trouble. So we need a solution. So let's, let's, let's focus on that. I've given you enough background. I've given you the problem. So what's the solution? So it's highly unlikely, I think anyway, that tomorrow afternoon when the Department of Education meet with the, with the unions um, and the various people, because these people, I don't think they are, they're thinking of this. They're not thinking of the teacher shortage, the staff shortage that are going to happen. All they're thinking about is how do we keep schools open um, and how do we and they're not thinking about what mitigation measures are needed really they're they're i i honestly don't think they're they're thinking around the the shortage of teachers because i think that's actually going to be the biggest issue more than anything else you know i i, I think yes i think staff and children and families are, are going to be quite scared um going into school in the middle of a pandemic it seems ridiculous um you know because you know you by going into schools people are going to catch the virus because it is hugely transmissible now. I mean, it, it seems that you can't go anywhere. Um, I mean, at this time last year, I mean, I, just to go back a little bit, this time last year, you know, there was a, you, you know, there was, you, if you knew someone with COVID-19, you were in the minority. Now, if you're, if you don't know someone with COVID-19 right now, you're in the minority. You know, it's, it, there is so many, so much of it around. And um, it seems that it spreads very, very quickly um and and very very easily this particular variant um so i i'm i but i i don't actually think that's in the mindset of the people that are meeting tomorrow and you know there's highly creative solutions that need to be need to be thought of um but they do take time we're just if they're meeting tomorrow they're just not gonna have time to do them such as for example limited numbers in school with remote learning for others is, is a creative solution that you that there's certain a number of children that can come into school and then others are at home and we have enough staff to cover those. We have remote workers and we have face-to-face workers and there's a there's a bit of a movement between those two. But again, you need a number of staff to be able to do that. Um, and, and to be honest, I recorded a podcast called, uh, it was called A Seed of a Plan for Reopening. I, I recorded this, um, I think it was last last August, maybe maybe before, uh, with, with a kind of a seven-tier plan for reopening schools, depending on the number of cases. Now, I don't think at that time, I even I thought there'd be 20 or 30,000 cases per day, but it certainly was at the time when we thought there was going to be a lot more cases uh, per day. And I thought about, well, if there's this number of cases, this is what school will look like. If there's this number of cases, well, this is what school will look like. If there's hospital, you know, we thought, I went through like, what, what if the hospitals are quite full? What do we do then? When, uh, and so on. Because the idea really, I think, of schools opening is what we're trying to do by reopening parts of society is to make sure that we have enough capacity in hospitals to ensure that people don't die. And uh, as I'm speaking to you now on, on, on as, uh, a few days before, the numbers of people going into hospital are going are, are rising and the number of people going to ICU is also increasing. And that's very, very worrying. Um, now, the, the, I don't have the figures on the number of deaths, but it would be unlikely that that's uh, not rising as well. So it's something that we, you know, we have to be wary of. And that's, you know, ultimately, that's our primary concern. Um, we're, we're not looking to close schools for any other reason 
than protecting lives. That is the reason why you would not allow children to come into a school, not because, you know, we're afraid of catching a cold, uh, as some people seem to uh, purport that that's all we're, we're, we're being, we're weaklings, we're, you know, come on, get on with it, you know, you teachers, you're lazy and onto the pup with you and all that kind of stuff. That's not what the concern is. Um, so we need to make sure that, you know, we, you know, that if we're going to come back in, you know, we need to ensure, I suppose, that it's safe, safe enough to do so. And I think, look, I don't know if it is or not, but the general consensus is that it, 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 I would say tomorrow will be that it, it will be safe enough for children to uh, attend uh, school again and their teachers and their staff to be in there and with the mitigation measures that are there. So given that that's the decision, whether we agree with that or not, let's go, let's, we have to kind of trust that that's, I, I mean, whether we trust it or not, we have no choice but to assume that's what we're going to have to do. So the, the only thing we really need to then ensure is that we have enough staff to cover classes because otherwise schools will have to send classes home. And it's ne- I, I, I cannot see how this is in any way other anything but inevitable, even now in big schools where the set have been able to cover in most cases. You know, it, you know if I'm in my particular, I'm in a big school, I have 10 support teachers in my school, roughly nearly 10. I don't have 10, but roughly 10 support teachers. Um, whereas a small school might have might be sharing one between two or three schools, and so small schools found themselves in, in huge in, in big trouble when they weren't able to cover their classes. So the thing is, this is going to require obviously very very fast action from several players, and this is where we come to the solution. You'll be glad to know because I've been raving on for half an hour uh, without coming up with the solution. So here is the solution, and it requires fast action. And I think I think. Um, you know, you're, you, you'll, um, you know, that th- this, this probably is the only thing we can do, really. In reality, look, I've gone through the problems and everything else, so we have to, we, we have to do what we have to do if that's the answer that we're trying to get. Um, and most of us actually, you know, isn't on the government this time, uh, and most of us isn't on the unions this time. Actually, the people who can make the difference here is the teaching council. It's, and, and that might surprise you, because this agency has somehow avoided most of the criticism during the pandemic for their failure to increase the supply of teachers, in the, like given that we have an emergency situation. The Teaching Council are in charge of registering of teachers, and they're in, incredibly slow at it. And rather than actually solving the problem, the Teaching Council rather than actually trying to speed things up, what they used their time for, they decided this would be the year, and it would be a good year, to open up this new portal, this new confusing portal, I should say, as well, for teachers to re-register themselves as teachers, and then threaten to take away the registration if they weren't able to get through the swathes of paperwork that are needed to ensure that they're registered. And I was one of these teachers. I, I mean, I, I'm, I've been happily registering every year kind of normally um for for the last number of years and but for now but for whatever reason i have to then re redo all my application to be to be re-registered as a teacher again and and it took me uh, it it didn't take me it wasn't easy i mean i i actually i had to do it twice because the first time i wasn't able to do it uh because 
I live, I live, I live basically on the border of two counties. And depending on who sends me my bills, I'm either in one county or the other county. And uh, anyway, it's it's not important because basically because my uh, because of the townsland I live in, um, it didn't exactly match the name of the townsland they had in my record. Basically, bureaucracy is deemed more important to the teaching council than actually increasing the supply. There, uh, I, I was, I, I mean, I, I look, I got it resolved because I was quick enough. But you know, let's let's see what they're not doing. You know, let we need to fix it very very quickly instead of these silly, um, silly things of trying to make things more difficult. So I'll mention where they where the teaching council have to come in because I think they're going to be quite important in this. Uh, but there are other players in the market. So we'll just start with the low hanging fruit. Um, because this is easy. Um, it's the teachers in, on secondment. So the 467 teachers who are on secondment. And I'm sorry, NCSE, and I'm sorry, Reading Recovery, and I'm sorry for all the other agencies that deem themselves way too important to be helping the country temporarily, even in a national emergency. All 467 teachers on secondment need to be placed on substitute panels temporarily, month by month. They shouldn't be asked to volunteer themselves. No, they must be put on substitute panels around the countries now not not in a few weeks time not in a kind of will be unfortunately we are in emergency now and we need all of those 467 teachers available to us i've received more i've received more than a few private messages from teachers on succumbent as i said saying they want to be available but their agency that they're succumbent to has refused to release them even if they have little to be doing. And the reason a lot of them have little to be doing is because CPT has been paused by the government until February because of this crisis. So there, are, so effectively, we've got people available that should be able to do, should be able to cover classes. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not picking on these people, uh, particularly because I know there's a lot of people that are on secondment for a variety of reasons. But unfortunately, we are in an emergency situation and we need every single qualified teacher we can get to be in classrooms. So that's the first bit. The second bit is a bit populist, yes, but inspectors, yes, you're next. And yes, I know it's only 57 people, but this is where help is needed now in the classrooms. It isn't much, 57 people, but it's 57 people more than we have. And again, they need to go on the substitute panels. They don't need to volunteer themselves to go into classrooms. There is now nothing else needed of them. And to be frank, they've had it very good for the last two years. I'm told many inspectors are no longer with the teach a registered with the teaching council, and what I need to what they need to do now is they need to get their teaching council number, and the teaching council need to provide for them very quickly. And to be honest with you, forget the bureaucracy. I think if you're an inspector, you can get a teach a temporary teaching council number overnight. You know, you, you the, the, but I mean, I don't even know how true it is that they're not even registered with the teaching council. But at the end of the day, the 57 inspectors need to be on substitute panels, and they need to be in classrooms from Thursday. No questions asked, and that's uh, and and to be honest with you, we can forget about these, um, forget about the the research that they seem to be doing, um, and and all that sort of stuff. We need them in classrooms. That's what we need. The next um, one is the teaching council as big contribution. This is where the teaching council need to come in very very fast. There are hundreds of qualified teachers who are going through this arduous process of finding bits of paper basically to complete the registration. Because if you qualify outside of Ireland, if you're a, a teacher outside of Ireland, to gain recognition in Ireland, you, you seem to have to jump through more hoops than you would in any other, in any other country. It's, it's really odd and I don't really understand it. 
Okay, fine, you should be able to speak at least English. Um, I don't I don't have a particular problem. You can't come into a school and not be able to communicate with people. But, you know, there's some of this, you know, and obviously there's other non-negotiable things like you need to actually have a teaching qualification from a recognised college to be able to go to, to be allowed to have a teaching council member. But there are some teachers that are having to complete modules in philosophy, for example, in order to get their credentials recognised. Now, I just think the teaching council need to give um, a lot of these teachers, emergency teaching council numbers, so teaching, so a temporary teaching council number, so they can be made available to schools. And yes, again, they should go on substitute panels, not be just made available around, you know, so that just to, if, to volunteer, they need to be on substitute panels. And my understanding is that there's a few hundred teachers in this situation. So it's not an insignificant number of teachers. You know, with, you know, these three methods so far, you could be close to about 750 teachers here, maybe up to a thousand teachers available to teach in schools. So let's move on because we know a thousand teachers isn't going to be enough, okay? We need more. Um, and I'm going to move on to fourth year students, not third and fourth year students, just fourth year students. Because I, and and this, this is where we might start to plug a hole. Every single fourth year student should now be given a temporary teaching council number till, I don't know, let's say till, till the February midterm break and then to maybe extend it if needs be. Up until a few years ago, three years of teacher training was sufficient to be recognised as a teacher. And for whatever reason, uh, this is during Rory Quinn's time, he arbitrarily changed to four years for no real reason, you know, it, it, somehow to professionalise it. But the colleges still haven't figured out how best to use this extra year. Uh, for example, for the last few years, you know, we have students that, you know, have to organise a thing. Uh, and I'm going to say a thing, I mean, really, a, a random thing for a week in the school uh, as part of their, you know, some sort of research project. And like, it's no like in, in, to be honest it's not much good to schools these things they're, they're kind of nice you know it's great to have someone organizing a little event in the school as a student but it seems to be one of these things i'm just we better just give them something to do while they're in the classrooms whether while we send them out to schools for teaching practice but they're on teaching practice for over 10 weeks of the year anyway doing full days of teaching and it just makes no sense um whatsoever um for them not to for for them to not be available to schools you know we you know we need we need these people and they're pretty much qualified enough after three years of teacher training they should be given a temporary teaching council number maybe for a month at a time while they're needed and then they can work in schools and be paid for that time obviously as substitutes but they'd also on top of that because they're still students their college lecturers are now free um, and they're going to be able to maybe man a virtual hotline to, to use a phrase but a virtual hotline uh, for for these students who can so they can give support to them where it needs to be so for example the uh, a student might be in, uh, be asked to go to a school and take a sixth class and might be worried about something so they might let's say they have to teach long division or whatever so they could contact their college and say look I actually don't know how to teach long so they th those kind of basic supports or maybe about classroom management or whatever it might be but every college needs to cooperate here and this would add a huge number of teachers into the system maybe a thousand maybe more i don't actually know how many students are in fourth year in irish teacher training colleges at the moment but there are a lot of them and this would be very very useful now i was never 100 percent happy with the third year students getting the same uh, benefit of of being uh, being open to substitutes it was the government that decided on this but i think in an emergency situation on balance they do need to be made available for casual subbing so, you know, I, I, I would say, look, if the fourth year has plugged the hole 
and we have all that on the substitute panel and we and then and a school finds himself in a bit of trouble and they still need a substitute i do think the third third year students could be made available um and maybe then we could kind of allow them in and i, I would say the same for second year um pme students and obviously first year pme students should be even further back in this so i think there should be a hierarchy of students if you're having first years teaching um they're not going to be as good as a third year teaching or a fourth year teaching. So you, you need to, we need to kind of uh, keep that in mind. But I definitely think fourth year students need to be on those substitute panels. So we could have maybe 2,000, 3,000, uh, maybe 2,000 anyway, um, teachers um, available with teaching council numbers across the country to fill in in this emerging situation where we will need thousands of teachers. Then we have on the, on the layer below that, third year students, maybe uh, uh, some of the postgrad students who will be available for casual subbing. And, you know, I, I that's, that's what I, I mean, I think even I, I might, you know, say, look, do you know, actually, I'm giving a lot here. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of teachers available and we need them if classes are able, if classes are to remain open. And as you can also see, I, I put a hierarchy of how they could be assigned. I mean, we need to start with the with the fully qualified teachers and work our way down. And essentially, I think that's the best we can hope for, given the situation as it is. It's not ideal by any means. This is not something that I think is a, is, is a good solution. There is no good solution. The Department of Education have messed up royally way before the pandemic um, in terms of teachers. But short of any measures it, it, that would be actually reckless, um, for example, I mean, something reckless would be given um, exemptions to teachers who are infected or who are close contacts. So they might say, well, if you're a close contact and you don't have symptoms, you can go and teach. That's reckless. Um, but, um, you know, uh, short of that, we just simply need people in front of children to keep them open. And what I dearly love, and I, I'll end here really because I think this is an important point. This is just a solution to get people in front of children to supervise children um, on a, when, when, when their regular teacher is out. What a child really wants is an education and they want it from their teacher and they have a good relationship with their teacher and, they, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But they also want to learn the curriculum and planning for a curriculum isn't easy uh, for uh, you can't teach a full curriculum properly if you've got a random person coming in one day and a random person coming in the next day and a random person like different people coming in you could have three or four teachers in a week because it's so difficult to get substitute teachers and um, you know when you have a situation like that children are not getting an education and again going back to my thing before you know this isn't something that's ever complained about by parents uh, or parents advocacy groups like where were the national principals or the national um, parents council um, all throughout this pandemic the only time they reared their head was when when masks were uh, asked to be put on children which is very curious I, I, I'd be interested in finding out more about that but that aside the national parents council have never complained about the awful measures um, the, the, the lack of education that children are there, there weren't nobody seemed to be worried about children's education they were worried about children being in school and being supervised by someone in school and i would dearly love for parents the advocacy groups the media the government our representative bodies and so on to actually care about education to actually care about the loss of learning particularly children with additional needs and particularly children in poverty situations who have lost 
a huge amount of education uh, throughout this pandemic as we've muddled through it. I want them to care about the fact that their children are freezing in their very cold classrooms because all they have are open windows because that's the only defence we had from the virus. And the reality is it's, uh, you know, the only thing that most of these people, I'm not saying all of people care about, because in fact, I'm not saying most, maybe most isn't fair either. But there's a, it's certainly, the, if, you, if you just focused on what the media says, they only care about keeping school buildings open and by any means. They don't care about the health of their teachers. They don't care about the health of their children in some ways um, because they just want them in school. And if you could imagine a world, and let me put it this way, I mean, because I, I in some ways I, what I'm saying sounds a bit heartless. I, I, I don't believe that parents don't care about it. I mean, I'm a parent myself. I really care about my child's health and I really care that when he goes to school, he's getting an education. Um, but I, I, I also recognise the fact that this isn't the case um, at the moment. Children are being supervised um, because half of their class aren't there um, and, your, con- and ch- your teachers are being expected to simply, um, you know, uh, come and go into classrooms and continue with it. You can't actually have a proper system in place uh, the way things are going and it's really affecting um, children. But if you could imagine a world where the impact of not receiving adequate education could be seen very, very quickly, such as you might die by not getting education. Let's, I mean, I know it's obviously that's a ridiculous thing to say, but let's say you would die if you didn't get you didn't get an education then i imagine people would care about this in the same way as we care very much about keeping hospitals open and we provide them with whatever they need to keep that happening however with schools we don't see that immediate impact obviously you know you don't die if you don't receive an education but the trouble is we will the truth of the matter is that COVID-19 has revealed that many of us treat schools as no more than childcare rather than education, an educational facility. The education is secondary to the childcare. And while that's in place, you know, while we have childcare in place, so all these substitutes that I've found, while that's in place, it might help solve the issue of childcare. However, if there's a chink of possibility that people start to care about the education side, and what education can give to children rather than what it gives to parents. That's the discussion. That's the discussion I really want to be having. So there we have it. Um, sorry, that uh, was more of a, a rant than a solution thing. I did eventually get to the solutions there, but it isn't really the solution at all. It's a solution for childcare rather than a solution for education. And I think really, I suppose as I've been going around this, that, that seems to be what people are looking for right now, a solution to childcare. Um, it's a pity, I suppose, in a way, from a from a from a teacher point of view. You know, I, I I like to think we're we're more than just that, and maybe I'm being unfair on ourselves, or maybe I'm unfair on everybody. But uh, look, that's what it kind of feels like. That when I'm being asked on the radio, you know, will schools open? It's more that they want to make sure that their child isn't in their isn't in their house, um, and all that kind of stuff. But again, maybe I'm being unfair because I know that school is way more than education. There's a social aspect to it and everything else. And I send my child to school, um, not not just for education. I do send him to school for the social aspect of school, uh, to be able to cope with adversity, to be able to cope with the, the everything that uh, school throws. At you but um look you know I, I i don't think i don't know if that's what most people are thinking maybe they are and maybe i'm just being completely unfair 
Um, anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you do have them, uh, please uh, head on to our uh, onto my Twitter feed, which uh, Simon M. Lewis, to comment on the episode, or you can um, uh, go on any of the other social channels, Facebook and so on, uh, to comment. If you've liked this uh, podcast episode, um, and I can't think why you would, uh, you know, please uh, do feel free to subscribe to the channel uh, to this podcast uh, on whatever podcasting platform you have. I'd also uh, appreciate any reviews that you might give because it makes it easier for other people to find it. Look, I'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks very much for listening. All the best. Bye bye.